Welcome to the Employco HR Podcast. I'm Rob Wilson, and with me is my brother and partner, Scott Wilson. Hello. And our Vice President HR, Jason Eisenhut. Hi, everyone. And Nikki Navarro, working the board. Thanks, Nikki, for making us sound halfway decent. So we're, uh, the topic this, uh, with the new year, the topic is marijuana in the workplace. You know, a few years ago, we, uh, we did one, and it was medical marijuana, but now with all the states approving uh, recreational marijuana, it's, it's become far past just, uh, just medical marijuana. Yeah, and you look at the bigger states like California, it's already legal. Illinois, our new governor... That's like one of the top things that he wants to do from a tax revenue standpoint. Right, he wants standpoint. to make it recreational, right? So you've got you're looking. Como at, wants to do it in New York. So. Yeah, ten ten states presently you can uh, plus DC, right? Yep. And then uh, on the on the medical side, you've got thirty three states. But yeah, you figure New York is going to go, Illinois will go pretty soon. Uh, you know, and they're that's, all doing it from a tax revenue. Yeah, you figure that's what thirty million between the two states, right there. A lot of people, and even some countries are getting into the the, the fray of recreation. Yeah. Canada just recently Mexico. passed, yeah, and Mexico is soon to be. So we'll we'll be surrounded in North America by recreational. Right. So, but as a, as employers, you know, it's a, it's a time where you really have to look at a variety of, of things, from handbooks to uh, how are you handling it as as a company, but whether it's recreational or, or medical. And when you look at, I, I think uh, from a trend standpoint, the marijuana uh, increase positivity within uh, people's views, 33% in the last two years. Yeah, that's the test results are, are the, the positive test results have increased 33% over the last couple of years. Wow. Yeah, and a lot of that's driven by the states who have either changed to medical or recreational. So you'll see the bigger increases in those states. And any states like Iowa or Wisconsin that haven't made any significant changes, those are pretty steady. I mean, it's a little bit of an increase on the medical marijuana or the marijuana side, but still not much. But it's states like California, Oregon, or Washington, or Michigan that are making these recent changes, there are spikes. Wow. You know, and I was just on a uh, sales appointment last week pitching a municipality for our HR services, and we were talking about drugs, and uh, we, we have uh, our app with the training, uh, with a variety of different training things, and uh, then we started talking about uh, drug use, and they have a zero-tolerance poli- mm. policy versus a lot of our clients, uh, and then union companies have, uh, have within their... Uh, their like thresholds. Right within their within the, their handbook as well as collective bargaining agreement, they have uh, graded levels. But they, um, you know, their challenge has been uh, the marijuana. How do you, you know if you're using hair samples? What is that testing? Right. And how long is it in the system? Right. Right. Because their bigger concern uh, on the municipal level was opioids, and that uh, the test was, the tests that they were doing have been inconclusive versus the marijuana tests are are very con- very conclusive and, and pretty easy to do. Yeah, I mean, that's the tip of the iceberg, marijuana opposed to opioids. I mean, right. opioids, you're you're in a rat hole. I mean, right. there's... Yeah, so uh, the uh, a survey that, Jason, you saw, 60% of people in the U.S. favor legalization. All right, yeah, I can't remember if it was NBC News, but s- s- one of the fairly reliable sources said 60% of Americans favor the, the change on, on the legal side to making marijuana recreational and medical uh, allowed under federal and state law. So it's the uh, recreational now in California, Colorado, Michigan, Nevada, Oregon, Washington. There's, a, there's 10 states. A recent study, you'll find this interesting, in University of Michigan. So this is outside the workplace, but this is uh, University of Michigan. They uh, found that more than half of medical marijuana patients surveyed fessed up to driving while under the influence. Wow. So the 56% of the people surveyed by University of Michigan reported driving within two hours of using marijuana. 51% said they drove while a little high. 
and 21% drove while very high. And 75% were going to Taco Bell. Right. So it's, well. Using their high beams. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but to, you know. That's scary. Yeah, when you look at, and that's not, that's not in the workplace. That's just people in general on the road driving. Yeah. So wow. And then obviously employers who have heavy equipment, machinery, the whole safety component goes into a whole other layer of complexity. Even just what our environment's office environment, we have some issues to worry about, but. Those employers who are manufacturing warehouse, they, they have a oh, lot of concerns. driving a forklift high. Right. I mean, you could kill someone. Right. And, and, and we've, uh, you know, it's no different than if you're on Vicodin. You shouldn't be with Vicodin. You shouldn't be operating any heavy machinery. You know, Scott and I have been out in Vegas in, in trade shows, and, uh, and it's in your collective bargaining agreement that people can, you know, if there is some trace up to a certain level. But we had uh, a, a guy a couple years ago test positive, we had to bring a doctor into the mix because uh, you know, he waved his medical marijuana card and said, hey, I can do this. But the test results said that he was 10 times over the contractual wow. limit. You know, 10 times over, you should not so be dangerous, offering anything. Right. 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 But, you know, as, as whether, it's, whether, you're, uh, whether it's medical, whether it's in a workplace, on a forklift or, or a printing press or whatever your machine is, no different than if you're in an office, if you're in an accounting department or you work for a mortgage broker, you're, you're approving loans that you shouldn't be approving. You're yeah, what's your error ratio going right. to be? Yeah. I mean, there's no physical harm, but I mean, financially, yeah, it could be detrimental to the company. Right, mistakes that you might make. Exactly. So, so what, uh, what should employers do? Well, first thing all employers should keep in mind is if, if you have an employee who's under the influence, actively under the influence during work hours, there, there's no need to worry about medicinal versus recreational, that employee can be uh, disciplined up to and including termination. So especially if you're in an environment with heavy machinery or equipment, that kind of employee could be no. disciplined or terminated. So that is that correct with what if you have a collective bargaining agreement and it, and it references that uh, there's different test levels? So, uh, so most employers at that point, if you're in a non-union environment, you'd probably want a supervisor or a witness to look for the symptoms, if you know, the eyes and slurred speech and things like that, or the gait and the walking, th- different signs and symptoms to look for someone who's under the influence. But if it's Eating a union- Cheetos on the forklift. <laughs> right. you know, um, but if you're in a union environment or if your handbook or collective bargaining agreement spells it out where you have to get tested in certain thresholds, then obviously employers could be tied if there is a, like, step one is a verbal warning, step two like counseling or EAP program, but mm-hmm. most employers, especially in the non-union environment. Yeah, I think in open. the union standpoint, the great thing about the union is that it's all spelled out. Yeah. I mean, those employers know what those thresholds are. Where it becomes that gray area is the non-union, where it's, what do you do? Yeah, and, and if you do test positive, it doesn't necessarily mean you were under the influence at work. It could have been a Monday and it was over the weekend, or there's trace amounts that remain in someone's system for several days or maybe even up to several weeks. Uh, so those are the sticky situations that state courts and federal courts are fighting through right now. It's just very murky water and unclear what employers should do with, with those kind of tests. Yeah, because can the, can the person then potentially bring about a discrimination? Exactly. So if they uh, have a bad back or some kind of serious disease where the medical marijuana is helping them cope with the, the pain, uh, yeah, that could be a discriminatory lawsuit. If you're terminating or discriminating, they could go to the EOC or your local state Department of Human Rights to file that claim on the disability. And is it all state-driven? Because on the federal federal level, it's still federal government considers it illegal. Yeah, a lot of states, including Illinois, have some of the 
law spelled out of what employers can and can't do to discriminate. So, for example, Illinois says you can't discriminate against someone simply because they're a medical marijuana user. So if somehow during the interview process you learn that the person is a medical card marijuana card holder, you can't refuse to hire that person just because of that. But if you have a standard pre-employment drug testing policy and one of your panels includes the marijuana and they fail that, in Illinois you could not hire the person because of that. But, yeah, several states have different laws and what employers can and can't do. Right. The uh, You should address it in your handbook. I, I think in most cases you've recommended to our clients that uh, they state in there that uh, you don't tolerate drug use because it's illegal on a federal level. Right. If you use the term illegal drugs are not are prohibited in our workplace, that should should uh, keep you safe from any kind of liability or risks. Uh, because if you spell out marijuana or cocaine or meth, then you're you're actually listing the drugs that are illegal. So if there's some kind of slight change in this in a state supreme court where you've listed marijuana, just uh, our recommendation is just use the term illegal drugs. Do you designate anything if you put federally illegal drugs? It, it could help, but in some states, because it's legal, mm-hmm. um, you might want to just go a little bit more vague, just to say gotcha. or illegal at the federal level and state level or something along those lines. Okay. Yeah. Right, because it, because you're hanging your hat on the fact that it's illegal on a federal level. Yeah, right. That, that's where employers in multiple have multiple state uh, locations, like different locations or warehouses across the country. How how do you how do you have a standard operation or standard procedure for dealing with failed drug tests or, or people under the influence? And then your handbook, you should put testing requirements or or how testing would occur or what what spurs a test. So a lot of times the drug testing facility will have certain thresholds for what's acceptable. Um, and if it's a borderline, they'll ask for a retest. Or if, let's, for example, urine test had a certain temperature that wasn't the right temperature or the hair sample wasn't inconclusive, they'll ask for a retest. But, yeah, again, in those collective bargaining agreements, it'll probably spell out what that threshold is. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall in your handbook, say you're in a non-union environment, you're in an office environment, you should have some st- testing standards set up that... Hey, uh, if it's a after all workplace injuries, I would imagine. But if you're uh, you cause any type of you know, say it's freight damage on a on a trade show floor to in the office, if you you know you're glassy eyed and sleeping at your desk, you know, is there some issue, some level that you could uh, you could require someone to be tested? Yeah, that's a great great point. So in the handbook, it should should say something along the lines of we reserve the right to conduct drug testing pre-employment reasonable suspicion, post-accident, something along those lines. I think you really have to look at it similar to alcohol use. Right, exactly. I mean, alcohol is legal, and would you let someone come in and work when they're completely whacked out of their mind, you know, reeking a bourbon? I mean, no. I mean, you have to, I think you have to have that same type of standard. Yeah, very similar. So supervisors should be trained in the, the warning signs on how to spot someone under the influence. Same thing as alcohol. So if you do have a couple people who are v- validating each other, I see slurred, or he, I can listen to slurred speech and the eyes or uh, wavy walk, then you could send the, send the person for testing. Mm-hmm. So you, uh, we talked a little bit about safety-sensitive jobs. So we sh- you, know, you, you want to uh, identify what those jobs are within your company just so you, you, you make sure that you pay extra attention to those positions. And maybe those companies want to implement random drug testing. So, for example, a lot of our clients uh, ask us to be that unbiased uh, third party who selects the employees at a random sample. Maybe we, based on their sample size, we have to do three a week or five a week or ten a week, and we have a program that randomly sorts and randomly selects employees for the drug testing. 
that way, especially the employees who uh, are employers who are in this kind of heavy machinery, warehouse, blue-collar, gray-collar type environment, it's a great idea. Yeah, you've got uh, a couple of not-for-profit clients that they require that based on their state funding. So I, I think you've got a computer program that generates the, you know, five or however many people you're going to drug test every month. Exactly. I mean, it takes the employer out of looking like the bad guy because it's our third-party HR companies doing the selection. They're doing the drug testing through our third-party uh, vendor, Quest Diagnostics, who's a leading drug testing company across mm-hmm. the U.S. So between us and Quest, we're handling it all for the employer. And it truly is random with the program. So. Right, yeah. How about employee assistance program? Should you have should you have one? Yeah, great idea. So not only are you identifying problem areas or positive drug tests, but you, employers are wise to go the step further and help those employees through the trouble through the trouble time. So employee assistance program typically allows three to six in-person sessions with a licensed therapist or counselor to get over some of those problems. There are obviously a lot of non-for-profit free community drug um, rehabilitation groups throughout most communities. But yeah, an EAP is a great way for employers to help employees. And, and obviously that covers other issues like marital stress or uh, emotional problems, child development. Uh, so EAP is a great idea for, for most employers to put through. And I think our reoccurring theme through our podcasts are, you know, really trying to make a difference in the employee's life as far as giving them, you know, you want your employees to be successful and this is going to give them a tool for them to be successful. That's great. Any other thoughts or comments on uh, marijuana use? Well, I think Illinois, our governor's goal is saying by uh, the end of 2019, he wants it legal. Yeah. And for, for employers in states that are either making it recreational or at least medicinal, a lot of our clients are considering dropping at least marijuana from that 10, 12 panel drug testing. So at some point, you might want to consider dropping in just altogether from your, your testing requirements. Sure, unless you're worried about the levels of it. Right, right. But right. yeah, just initial tests. Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see, especially with the numbers, I still, that is astonishing how many people that increases. Yep. 21% driving yeah. very high. Wow. And employers in those states with a recreational where it's allowed, they're having trouble with zero tolerance policies, having trouble finding qualified workers. So an, a worker who may have been qualified outside of a standard pre-employment drug testing, if you're in Colorado, for example, or Washington, if you have a zero, zero tolerance drug test, you're kind of limiting yourself on a lot of that sure, workforce. Sure, and the economy is booming, too. Yeah, exactly. So it's the double whammy. Great. Well, if anyone has uh, questions on uh, on marijuana in the workplace, feel free to reach out to us at uh, our email address. HR at employco.com, or you could reach us at info at employco.com, our Facebook page. We're on Twitter. Our handle's at, at employco. Uh, we're on pretty much all social medias except for Instagram, which don't see us doing that. <laughs> no. And let us know if you have any suggestions for future podcasts. We, we're love, we have, we've taken a few in the past couple months of listener suggestions, and we keep them coming. We'd we love to hear them and, and put them to use. Definitely. Yeah, we've got a couple uh, guests uh, guest coming up in the next few podcasts. That's we're gonna, right. We're going to do one uh, next month on, uh, on trade shows with uh, you know, the exhibitor shows coming up at the end of February, so yep. which will be out Always there. Always a great for, show. Uh, we'll be out there for, the, uh, for that show, but... Uh, so we're going to have, uh, I know Don Savella from a publisher of Exhibit News is going to sit in on one, and we'll have a couple other uh, guests as well uh, over the next few months. That's great. Great. Well, thanks for listening. Yep. Thanks, for, uh, thanks for joining us again at our HR podcast, and uh, look forward to uh, releasing another one in the next few weeks. Thanks. Thanks.